0: will be the, I think, third sermon uh, out of the series that we will get to tonight. And so I want to read uh, this evening, if we could, in 2 Samuel chapter number 11. And, um, and let's, let's begin in verse number 2 tonight. 2 Samuel chapter number 11, verse number 2. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible said, And it came to pass in an evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. She returned unto her house, and the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how that, excuse me, how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. David said uh, to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. David is trying every way in the world to butter this man up. Verse 9, the Bible says, But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and went not down to his house. When they had told David, saying, Uriah, Went not down into his house David said unto Uriah Camest thou not from thy journey Why then didst thou not go down Unto thine house Uriah said unto David The the ark and Israel and Judah Abide in tents And my lord Joab And these servants of my lord Are encamped in the open field Shall I then go into mine house To eat and to drink And to lie with my wife As thou livest and as Thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He wrote in the letter saying, "...set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and die." And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also." This is definitely by now no strange text to anybody. And the story we've read, really, if you really look at this thing, it's a pretty, it's, a, it, it's really mind blowing that the psalmist David could do the things that we just read that he has done. But I want you to understand something tonight. I want to go back to our thought, and I, I hope to God that you're listening uh, the last two services in tonight, that all it takes. Is one moment. Uh, there's people here tonight. When every time that I begin to talk about this. In your mind. You wouldn't say you, you wouldn't say who or where or what. But in your mind you've got a moment. Amen. And it's in your mind right now. You know man that was a moment in my life. I've got a moment. Now, I've got a few moments. I, I can take you back. And re, I really mess things up. Now, how many of y'all know those moments are way back there in the past. But they've not left this thing. And all the time. How many of y'all have to hear from the devil about your moments? How many of y'all's flesh rages up and tells y'all time about your moments? And so I want to try to challenge our church in the new year. Let's move on this year, but let's let's move on moment by moment. Let's evaluate our moments. And and I wanna I want the Lord, if He will to help us tonight as we look at the life of David. And we preach on this thought once again, one more time, the magnitude of a moment. Please pray with me and for me here tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for what I feel in my soul tonight. Lord, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I pray tonight, God, that your people will not hear my voice, but God, the sweet Holy Ghost would speak to me tonight and Lord you would speak through me tonight and God we would not just accomplish the task at hand and reach in the ears of men but God the word of God would go forth and lodge into the hearts of thy, thy people and God everything that said tonight would be ordained and orchestrated of the Holy Ghost. Lord give me unction and power, wisdom Lord and clarity to preach the word of God In the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. Again it is here in our text. Where we read what I believe to be. One of the saddest examples. Of what sin can cause. In the lives of those. Who subject themselves to their sin. Now, I need you to hear me every time that I preach on this or going forward, every time I mention the word sin, our ears ought to perk up. Because here's what I know tonight, whether saved or lost, can I tell you every single man, woman, boy, and girl, under the sound of my voice... And under the the blanket of God's beautiful sky. You know there's one common denominator with all mankind. And it's a three little word called sin. As a matter of fact the Bible said that if you say you have no sin you deceive yourselves. And the truth is not in you. But the word of God says concerning our sin for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There has Never been a man It does not matter his stature It does not matter his social status His uh, his uh, political status Or even listen now His spiritual status Can I say I'm no longer bound by sin How's that Well the blood of the Lord Jesus Has set me free From being bound to sin But how many of y'all know uh, We still fight the flesh And the desire of our flesh To sin I'm trying to paint a picture for you that we're not talking about just an average, uh, uh, an average happy-go-lucky Baptist here. Uh, we're talking about the anointed King of Israel. We're talking about even as a little lad, when God's man went to Jesse's house in uh, search of another king to come up. That uh, the Bible said seven of Jesse's sons passed uh, under the eye of Samuel, and none of them fit the bill. And he said, "Jesse, I need it. I I know the Lord sent me down here, but He just ain't told me." Uh, he said, "You got any more kids?" And he said, "Well, I forgot about him, but we got one out back somewhere, probably on the hillside. Uh, all he is, little ruddy boy, little shepherd boy, and he's back yonder so I can fetch for him if you need him." He said, "Well, I, I have no luck with the rest of them, so call for him if you would." And sure enough, here comes David. And how how many of y'all know? We've read over and over and over. We won't go back. For sake of time But from 1 Samuel chapter number 16 all the way to our Text we find that The hand of the Lord is upon David we we read over And over how God has favored David We, we read where David would walk into impossible Situations And God would do the impossible We read where David would not meet the qualifications Yet God Somebody help me tonight yet God would qualify him for the task at hand. I mean Saul wasn't willing to fight Goliath and Eliab his brother wasn't willing to fight Goliath and the whole host of Israel was not willing to fight Goliath but he come down there and said I over my cold dead body will anybody cuss the armies and the people of the living God and he took a little sling and he took five little stones and he walked out in the midst of a battle hey and he wasn't supposed to be there. I'm about to enjoy my own preaching. He wasn't qualified to be there. They say, I've heard it, you've heard it. Somebody's told you, that preacher down yonder, old brother Josh, I I wouldn't say that he ain't even qualified. You know what I say to them? You're exactly right. I ain't qualified. Uh, Can I say, uh, if I got what I deserve, I'd be in hell tonight. Uh, I could never qualify myself Uh, if I tried every way in the world uh, to keep every point the law and I did everything that book says Uh, to do in me dwelleth no good thing Uh, uh, David was not qualified David uh, was not the man that you would pick on the resume Uh, but thank be to God. I wish somebody would help me. Uh, Thanks be to God that he looked down on a little old shepherd boy uh, uh, my friend that didn't have a hope in the world of making nothing uh, but God picked him out and God anointed him and God promoted him and God esteemed him higher uh, than he ever thought possible and David is a man after God's own heart. And all we see from 1 Samuel 16 the second Samuel chapter number 11 is the favor of God, the blessings of God, the prosperity of David's life, victory after victory. But all of a sudden, the tides change. Second Samuel chapter number 11. And is it because all those things that we've read about in God's word were fake or phony? No, that's not it at all. Is it that David put on a front all them years and made himself out to be somebody that he was not? Listen to me. No, that's not the case. We better be careful. Listen now. Listen, listen. Unfortunately, somebody's probably in this room tonight. Over the next decade, they're going to really let us down bad. Are you listening? Does that mean everything that they're doing today and been doing for the last eight years was fake and phony and false and it was a front? No, that don't mean that. Listen, I understand there's both There's both sides and some people are full of guile and deceit, and lying and hypocrisy, but good, godly people can mess up in a moment. We better be very careful, Brother Caleb, too. Say what we would or would not do or should or should not do when looking at somebody else's moment. You know, I found out the hard way this year. You better watch what you say. Bless God, I'll tell you right now, if that was my family, but it ain't. And everything you're saying out your mouth, you're just saying out your mouth. Until you get there, you don't know. You don't know what you do. Until, hey, until Goliath is standing in front of you. Don't set run your mouth that you wouldn't be down in the trenches. You know, the fact of the matter is, I believe, Brother Chris, probably all of us would have been down there bellyaching with him. Amen. I mean, I dare wonder if there's a David in the house tonight. I mean, let's just get honest. Is there even a David in the house? I'm afraid to say that I'd do what David done. I mean, look at this man, the courage and the faith. I'd probably cut and had to. But God had a little boy, a little lad, and a man to be after his God's own heart. And he was God's man. And look what happened in a moment. We better be careful, folks. I'm telling you, I'm burdened. I'm scared, really. That God would give me something like this at the start of the year because I'm telling you, last year, everything that started off, what we lived, and I, I'm afraid, and listen, it may not be bad. Maybe, maybe this thing will turn out good, and and everybody will evaluate your moments, and everybody will be cautious and careful of your moments. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all it takes, you can live a whole life for, for God. You can live your whole life and be faithful to the church. You can live your whole life and uh, be clear and keep yourself pure. You you can live your whole life and do these things and have one bad moment and mess up the rest of your life. David is forgiven after this. By the way, you have a bad moment, he'll forgive you. But that does not take away all the consequence of sin. He will forgive you. And believe it or not, contrary to what some good brethren think, he can even use you after you mess up. Let me just give you a little time-out side note right here. Be very weary of men who are all the time pulling everybody around them down for their mistakes. Because let me tell you something about those men. Most of them have bigger skeletons in their closet than men you could ever shake a stick at. They're self-righteous. If you're hearing somebody always... Bringing up everybody else's flaws And everybody else's sin And everybody else's past You say preachers do that Yes sir read Bob They do And they make me nervous Amen uh, Can I say most of the time When when, when the light comes on And the, and they're exposed somewhere down the road and By the way uh, Be seen, be sure your sin will find you out And God is not mocked For whatsoever man soweth That shall he also reap And uh, may I say most of the time It's those who are always looking down there knows that everybody picking them apart uh, that's got bigger spiritual problems than any of us even know what to do with. I'm telling you, you've got to watch how you look at moments concerning other men because you're going to have your life going to be plumb full of your own moments. You you when, when your moment comes, you can't be worried about everybody else's moments. You're going to mess up in yours. The magnitude of a moment. First of all, we looked at this last week. This moment started out with a moment of exhaustion. Verse number one of our text: We read, "It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and servants with him all Israel and." They destroyed the children of Ammon And besieged uh, Rabbah But David tarried still at Jerusalem We ain't going to re-preach that point But if you go back all the way from 1 Samuel 16 up to 2 Samuel Chapter 10 you realize Right before this chapter David's in a war uh, The Bible said in, 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 in 2 Samuel ten seventeen that it's told David that, uh, that he gathered uh, All Israel together and passed over Jordan and uh, fought with them And the Bible said in verse 18 of chapter Ten that uh, the Syrians fled before Israel, and David slew the men of seven hundred chariots of the Syrians and forty thousand horsemen, and smote uh, and smote uh, the captain of their host, who died there. And I mean, you read there, there's literally, literally been hundreds of thousands of men who have fallen to their death uh, through and by the hand of none, none other but David. I would dare say that David probably had every right. In In the world to be tired. David had every right to be exhausted, uh, but we talked about this last night, or last service, uh, Sunday night. You cannot let your exhaustion uh, get you out of the fight. Can I say it was David's time to go to battle? You say, well, preacher, I don't feel up to the battle right now. I'm wore out. Listen, I, I know, I know how it is to look out there and say, my Lord, all I've been doing is fighting battles and you're telling me there's another battle to fight Lord I'm exhausted I'm tired but listen to me if you don't continue to fight and go on even though you're exhausted you're setting yourself up for a moment that the devil can steal away that your flesh can steal away from you if David had simply just went to battle he'd have never seen Bathsheba we talked about the moment, the start, the momentum, what ignited this moment in David's life? And this moment started with exhaustion. He's tired. How many of y'all tired of fighting your battle? You can't quit. Now I need a little help now. Don't tighten up on me. Sunday was good. We ain't going back to this not having church stuff. Sunday was good. We got we to got, we got, we got really... We got to key in on this every sir every single service. Give God our best, and I, I'm trying to help you from the Word of God tonight. And it started with a moment of exhaustion, uh, a moment where David just he needed Terry Steele in his mind and his heart. But we know what happened that moment of uh, uh, that moment where he was supposed to be in battle and didn't go uh, turned into a Bathsheba moment. And uh, you say, "Well, I just feel so tired. I I don't feel like I would be of no use in the battle right now." If I've read my Bible right, it says something along the lines of uh, when I'm weak, that's exactly when He is strong. Can I say God's never needed you at your full potential uh, for Him to be at His full potential? Am I helping anybody tonight? God's never needed you to be on your A game in order for Him to be on His A game. Uh, God's never needed you to have a 100% health report in order for Him to have a good health report. God's not looking for me and you to dot all the I's and cross all the T's you may not be worth a plug nickel but if God is telling you to go fight you just grab your sword and your shield of faith and you man your post. here's how I'm looking at it if I die in the battle it won't be my fault because I've done what he told me to do and if God allows me to die in battle that's his business but I like the old song said I really do want to go out of this thing I, I want to die on the battlefield For my Lord I never have like Sidelines I never wanted to be on the bench Never did want to be a substitute I wanted to be a starter Help me somebody I don't understand how Christians are content with sitting back and watching a, a handful of the flock do all the warring. And, and I don't understand how people can sit back and watch a handful of the flock do all the praying and the laboring. Hey, I want in on it, friend. I I want in on it. I want God's hand on my life. I huh? I want His favor and His blessing on my life. What do I got to do, preacher? I, for God to I put His hand to favor and bless it on my life one. More word and it's faithful just be faithful if we're having church Sunday through Saturday be here Sunday through Saturday if we're having a work day be here with a hammer in your pocket if we're having a yard sale show up with a bunch of junk and sell it for the glory of God if we're having a Christmas play. Bless God, be there at play practice. Parents, make the kids memorize the lines for having choir practice. And you're part of the choir, be in your post. Get your song, but rare back sing for the glory of God. No matter what it is, we must be faithful if we want God's favor on our life. David said, I've done enough. I'm exhausted. And that led him to this Moment full of negative magnitude. Secondly, we see in our text, verse number one, this moment started with a moment of exhaustion, but this moment also started with a moment of exemption. Look in verse number one. It came to pass after the year was expired at the time, now notice this, When kings go forth to battle. How many kings did Israel have? One. How many presidents you got? Okay. Israel had one king. His name is David. Saul fell on his own sword. His sons have died in battle. David has been anointed from the beginning, from his youth. And now he is put in place as king of Israel. The Bible said it was the time of year when kings go forth to battle. Does everybody see that? In other words, you could, you could almost, and I'm ain't trying to i not a Bible corrector, but you could put a side note beside that word kings. You could put your little line in parentheses and put an equal sign and write David. You with me? Well, how can you do that? Because he was the king. So, I, listen, I wonder, I wonder maybe if you ought not write a little line, equal parentheses, and live by this and write your name. And it was the time, it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when Caleb should go to battle. At the time when Brother Josh should go to battle, or Brother, or Brother Seth, or, or you can put your name in there, but it was David's battle to fight. Does everybody see that? That David sent who? Was Joab the king. And his servants were the servants, the king. And all Israel. Did Israel rule as a body and a king? There was one king and his name was what? Whose battle was this? But he sent Joab and servants and all of Israel. In other words, David has just had a moment of exhaustion and now David allows his exhaustion to create in his heart and mind another moment of exemption. Do you know what to be exempt means? In other words, I have the right to sit this one out. Can I say tonight that Joab and his servants seem to have everything, brother Sean, under control thank God he had a second man he could trust and thank God he knew that Joab would lead them servants and Joab would lead the nation of Israel in a right manner and would do right by David and would not sow any discord and wouldn't put any doubt in their hearts and wouldn't challenge or charge uh, make a charge against David's authority and his rule and reign but listen it does not matter how good Joab was how well the servants fought or Israel fought it was the time when kings go forth uh, to battle can I say David at this time should have been there but instead he stays at the house uh, and Joab and the servants in Israel uh, my friend go out and fight uh, uh, right out of the gate they destroy uh, the children of Ammon and they besiege rabbi uh, notice what it says in the bottom part of verse number 1 he sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and David. Who's they? Joab, the servants in Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still. I can see David now, can okay, y'all? He's sitting on the throne, exhausted. He's had a moment of exhaustion. I just need to sit still for a little while, Lord. I've been fighting. I've been killing. I've been claiming. I've been. I've been doing everything you said, and I know it's my time. It's my battle, but Lord. Surely to God, uh, we can look back and see I've done enough fighting. It's about time Joab and uh, the servants and the nation starts feeling a little bit of the heat. And uh, Lord, I, I believe God be all right. I, I'm going to sit this one out. He exempted himself from the battle he was supposed to be at. And then I bet you a dime to a dollar. He said, well, God must have his hand on it because look what happened. As Soon as they go out of the gate. A are kicking tail and taking names. Y'all see that, don't you? <laughs> David feels as if probably at this point, he's like, my Lord, time when kings go to battle, they don't need their king. They do an awful good job without me. Feels as if all of a sudden, now listen to me, he has a choice in the matter. Let me tell you a little secret. When it comes to God's orders, you don't have a choice in the matter. Right. Amen. Yeah. Do you believe that book? Do you believe that? Hello. Do you believe the book? Yeah. Yeah. There's some things that don't, God don't ask you a question or ask your opinion or suggest that you right. do. He commands you to do them. Yeah. Yeah. Being faithful. Yeah. What I was talking about earlier. That's a commandment of the Lord. Right. Yeah. And David here all of a sudden feels as if he has the right to a choice. Why? Well, because those around him seem to be doing a pretty good job. (laughs) Can I say this tonight? And I need you to hear me. The biggest lie hatched out of hell is that you are no longer needed, useful, or to be relied upon. Am I talking to anybody? Well, I go to church, but I mean, I'm just useless. Are you? Are you? I think not. Well, I, I, I mean I'd be more faithful But I mean it, it ain't like that. They're depending on me to teach or nothing Or to preach or, I mean I only not hardly get asked to take the offer or not Come on somebody Oh I'm knocking on doors I don't know that You might as well just accept it and get some help Not get upset Can I tell you that's the devil's way Of getting you out of the battle Because if he can get you out of the battle He'll, he'll, he'll end up Tempting you with Bathsheba You're going to have a Bathsheba moment when you leave the battle. Mark that down. Can I say this this thought that David has? He looks out and sees Joab's servants in Israel and boy, they're absolutely tearing things up. Just look like they've got it all under control. And now all of a sudden David said, well, I don't need to even go out. I don't have to worry about it. I mean, they're doing a fine job and he exempts himself from the battle of kings uh, because he had great men around him and under him. But may I say the only problem with that mentality is this, it was the time for kings... uh, to go forth to battle It was his war to fight It was his victory to claim It was his enemy to face uh, uh, Listen to me Hey I'm come to charge up Help you go another mile There is no Egyptian In the Christian life You cannot look at the Christian life Through the eyes and the efforts Of those around you uh, Can I say no doubt there's people in here uh, You say well it really don't matter If I show up uh, Because I can count old brother Chris And Miss Caleb be there it don't matter if I'm there I mean I, I don't do nothing anyways brother, brother Seth will be there it don't matter I mean Caleb Brandy always on first row or Deke he's always there I mean it really ain't a big deal that's surely to God I mean it's just one time one moment just a, just a Sunday off. but can I say if God needed you here to get you ready and you go out to the battle on Monday morning and God had what you needed to prepare you on Sunday morning and Sunday night and all the sudden on Monday morning, Bathsheba walks out in your life and you fall in the heat of battle simply because uh, you've exempted yourself. uh, You've exhausted yourself. Therefore, exempted yourself. And the next thing you know, uh, you've made made a mess in a moment. That's all it takes. Can I say that it's good to have people good people around you you can depend on. But there's some things that God requires of you. Did you know you don't have to sing, preach, play, hold a position, a title, or teach a class for God to want you to be and commanded you, but He wants you to be in your place faithfully. You with me? Church has became about everything but what church was created to be about. You know what church was created for? to be about the Lord you know who created the church the Lord you know who he wanted it to be about himself you know what he requires you to say or do in order for him to show up and do his part nothing God don't need us we need God is everybody listening God don't need us we need God Church and the Christian life—it can't be all the time looking around. Matter of fact, the Bible says this: it says uh, that comparing yourselves among yourselves, those who do that are not wise. Yeah. And I give you a few things about this exemption. This exemption mentality is a very selfish mentality. Wow. How, what do you mean by that? Well, Joab and his servants, and all of this—well, think about this: they're not just a man down; they're without their king. Come on somebody. How many of y'all would just agree right here and it's just the truth. I ain't ain't, ain't got an arrogant, prideful bone in my body about what I'm about to say. Things are different when I'm not in my post. Why is that? Because this is my post. do not say they're bad. They're different. It's almost a little uncomfortable at times. Why? Because this is my post. I'm the pastor, ordained of God. That's how you know it's right, too. Because when it ain't when I when I ain't in my post, I ain't gonna feel right. Because God put me here. You with me? Come on, somebody. So you know what David is in this moment of exemption? He's very selfish. Do you think for a second when he's kicked back on the porch looking at naked Bathsheba? That he's sitting there fretting, and worrying about Joab, his servants, or the nation of Israel. No. no, he's not worried about it. Can I say tonight that he's selfish because not only has he sent them out to battle a man down, but they don't have their leader. Joab's having to make decisions that were not his to make. Right. You with me? Yeah. There's things God's going to use you and your family for and you and your family only. But if you flee and you won't go to battle... And it ends up in Joab's hands. That's a, You're going to make people have to do and say and make decisions about things that's not even their decisions to make. Right. Right. Why would you do that to anybody? Selfish. Right. Can I say Joab and the servants had to pull their weight and David's? Yeah. I ain't needed. I ain't nothing. You're a part of the body. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm going to take you through some scripture if y'all want preaching tonight. Uh, 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 you, you're a part of the body. You so say, well, all I am is a pinky. I ain't the head, the eyes, the feet, the hands, the nose, the mouth, the ears, all the important stuff. I'm going to make my might be the end part of the fingernail on the pinky hand. Well, let me tell you how important that is. How many of y'all, you not have like to raise your hand because you feel about like a pinky nail in the church. Well, that pinky nail ain't very important. Well, let's, let's see. Won't you get one of them songbooks and lay that pinky down on that wood right there and take the spine of that songbook as hard as you can and just whack that pinky nail and keep hitting it till it falls off and tell me how important it is. Yeah. Hello? If it ain't important, we'll find out. You know what you're going to find out three days from now? That thing's pretty important. Yeah, yeah. When that when that when that open wound starts drying out and cracking and scabbing and burning and blistering and every time you take a shower it's like your hands on fire, all of a sudden that little nail did anybody wake up today and say thank God for my pinky nail? No, you know why? Because to you it's really insignificant. We don't think about it. It's just a pinky nail. you right. Rip that baby off. And I guarantee you when you wake up, you'll be talking to the Lord about it. And God can please make this thing grow back and stay It's important to the body. Now would you say it's, it's it, it would maybe be more harmful to lose the whole pinky? Sure. But that's still got right, a role and a part in the body. And I say that the reason God needs you to be faithful and not exempt yourself is not necessarily for your sake, it's the body's sake. Hey, listen to me, look at me. This ain't nobody misses me in that church. You might be right. Except for one. I can assure you. I know one man that does. I can't speak for the rest of y'all. I feel like you miss one another. Yeah, but if right. nobody cares about anybody else in this world, I am say before God I care. Yes, right. And it hurts me. Yes, sir. You hurt me. I don't have to say, I'm not giving you a penny party. I'm preaching. I'm being honest with you. If I'm the head, according to that Bible. Is that right? Of the body. He's the head of the church. Right under him is the shepherd. The under-shepherd. What does the devil want to take off the body first? Right? Ain't nobody even notices when I'm not there. I do. And guess what? The one part of the body that you don't need wounded is the one that cares. Yeah. yeah. Is everybody listening? Good yeah. Brother Shelby, it hurts my heart. I'm not I'm not I'm not being dramatic. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. I'll stand before God over every word I'm speaking. It hurts my heart when people that I know could be here. And that choose not to. You know what you've done, sir, and ma'am? You have hurt the body. Yeah. Now listen to me, you might not like this, and you will give an account. One of these days. For have you helped or hindered yes. the body that he died and bled for and bought and purchased with his own blood? Yeah, right. yeah. Well, it don't matter if I'm there or not. We'll find out on the judgment seat, won't we? That's right. Uh-oh. Is everybody okay? Yeah. This is Bible preaching. I can prove it to you. I'm going to. Yes, Ay, who cares? I mean, it don't matter. It may, I mean, ain't nobody needs me there. I wonder if God needs you here. Uh, yeah. Is everybody okay? Yeah, Don't bow on me. Don't go to bed on me. I wonder if you care about him. He care whether or not you're in your place. Yeah, you talked about that one time? Mm. We're preaching. We're preaching. Come on now. Yeah. I know there's, there's times we can't help it. Yeah. I'm about that. I'm talking about choosing to exempt yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. tell preacher. Choosing. David was commanded to go, but he chose to not. You know what every one of us is commanded to do? Be faithful, but God leaves us a what? Choice. He leaves us a choice. You don't know why? Because we know how much he loved us. He wants to see by your actions and your choices how much you love. Oh, God had this thing set up, and we were little r- religious robots, and we made every right move that He wanted us to make, that He could never really see our design. I'm mean, going to tell you something. People tell on themselves where their hearts are with the Lord when they exempt themselves from the battle. Amen. You know what they're saying? I'm worried about me no. and me only. No. I, ain't I ain't worried about my brothers, sisters, my pastor. So more important than all of that, you realize, y'all see them beams? You see all that plastic right across there with insulation in it? You see that, that screen and banners and these lights? And, see this pulpit and the stage, these chairs, that tree, that piano, these speakers, these, these pews that were sitting on the carpet that, that were about ruined. You see the sound booth and the doors and the paint on the walls and the wreaths and the exit sign the lights that Brother Chris busted off and replaced. Thank you, Brother. Do you see all the stuff? Do you see the songbooks? The hat y'all won't put back up. Do you see all the gun that's It's in the songbook. Holders that's not supposed to be there. Do you see these things? Can I tell you? Listen to me. Listen to me. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed so you and I could have these things set together and say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away Blessed be the name of the Lord. I've served him before, and I'll serve you today. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. You're only going to go to battle it's convenient for you. everybody okay? Yes, I, I know what I'm preaching to. It's Wednesday night. It don't matter. Right. Are you really concerned over the body time? Or have you exempted yourself from the battle? Because in your mind that's the only thing that matters. Can we look at a few verses tonight and I'll close. And I want to show you a few things. I want you to turn with me to First Timothy chapter 6. I want you to see these things that God showed me about this battle. And listen to me. It speaks loudly. Might I write, that, write this down. I've never said it before, so I don't know all I'm going to say, but I know my thoughts. Might I write this down. It speaks loudly how you react to the battle. There's a lot of people say one thing, Brother Chris but when the battle fires up, they do another. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look in verse 12. For sake of context, who's writing? To whom is he writing? His young preacher. He tells him in verse 12, fight the good, fight the faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Did y'all get that? I need you to lay hold on what was just said. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. And hast professed a good profession. look here. Before many witnesses. You know what this church knows about you? You say that God's put you here. You've been called into this body. You've been called unto salvation. You're supposed to be not just a member of the local body, but you're 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 a member of the invisible body, the body of Christ, the saved saints of God. And and, and Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. In other words, don't lose sight of what you're fighting for. Is everybody okay? Amen. Half yens are acting like Mormons tonight. Some of you is real dry Southern Baptist. So I need a good hearty amen before I throw something. Paul says fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold and turn out. In other words, let the cares of this world flee from your mind. Think about eternal things. That's what we're fighting for. Much better. Should have been doing that for the last 43 minutes. Think about eternal things and you'll fight the good fight. You do know why people drop out of the fight? They, get, they quit their focus shifts from the spiritual things to self. That's what I've been telling you. And he says you're called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, Paul leaves young Timothy with this. Turn over one book to 2 Timothy. Look in chapter 4. I'm just going to show you a few little things right here and we'll be done for tonight. Look in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 7. Who is writing? Who is he writing to? So the context is the same. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 12, he's telling Timothy to fight the good fight. Would you agree with that? Yeah. He's telling his young preacher fight the good fight uh, of faith. Lay hold on, uh, on eternal life wherefore thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. But now we read Paul writing to Timothy, but he is not... Addressing Timothy in, in the light of Timothy Paul has talked Timothy about himself In verse number 7 And what does Paul say He says I have fought A good fight I have finished My course He says I have Kept the faith So In other words Paul is not Just preaching this To Timothy with his lips, but he says, My life backs up what I'm preaching to you. Hey, it's going to be hard for you to tell somebody what they're supposed to do when they don't see you doing it. You listening tonight? Why you got to stay in the battle? There's many witnesses. Y'all okay? There's many witnesses. People know what professions you have made. And Paul's telling Timothy, this is what you need to do. But he don't just preach with his lips. Paul's preached with his life. Paul has done exactly what he told young Timothy to do. He has stayed in the battle. Yeah. He did not exempt himself. Does anybody think Paul ever got exhausted? Well, I don't know. They stoned him. They throwed him in prison. he's shipwrecked. The list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Paul went through more persecution than anybody in that New Testament. Y'all understand that, don't you? Most of this New Testament, you know where it was written? In a prison cell. I dare say Paul could say, I have fought a good fight. And I say Paul's legacy of fighting his fight and running his race and finishing his course has both done two things. It has both challenged and charged young Timothy to do the same. What do you mean? Well, Proverbs 27, 17 says this. Everybody knows it. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. May I say, if you see those you love fighting the good fight of faith, you know what it'll make you want to do? Why is it important that you keep fighting? So that soldier that you don't even know is so weary, they're about to quit, but they see you keeping going on and you ain't quit yet, that, that encourages them, bless God, if they ain't going to quit and die, uh, die a quitter, neither am I. That's why at church, we're here to worship Him, but when we come to church, the body comes together. We edify one another, building yourselves up. We, we increase one another's faith. I mean, has it done anybody else some good to see families we know going through trouble, fighting hell by the anchor, be faithful? Has it encouraged anybody else but me? When you want to quit and you think about so-and-so and and their battle's worse than yours and they ain't quit yet. So what do you do? You suit up and fight another round. That's how this thing works. Can I say we're not leaving this church by my, if if I got any say so no matter, we're not going to leave one another out on the battlefield to die. I'm not, no man left behind. We're going to band together. It's time to fight. No man is exempt. No man's left behind. Exhaustion never permits exemption. I want to read something else to you. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul gives us a great example of all this with Timothy. Look in verse 1. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Paul tells Timothy, Thou therefore my son. He's speaking of his being a son in the faith. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among, here it is again, many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, look here, enjoy hardness. Okay? Thou therefore, exempt yourself from hardness. Thou therefore, when you get exhausted, stay at the house during times of hardness. Paul says, Timothy, thou therefore, in light of the fact, what we just read, there's many witnesses, there's other faithful men, there's other people that need taught what I've taught you, and because of that, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Does everybody see that? So do you see how this thing works? Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called. now have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul tells Timothy again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3 be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus and endure hardness as a good soldier and can I save those who exempt themselves. Up from the battle leave absolutely no example for those that are coming up in the battle but those who endure throughout the battle and continue to fight the battle will teach and train the other people those around them and their children coming up that there's just some things worth fighting for you want your kids First big storm comes in their Christian life to throw in the town, and quit? That's what they'll watch you do. Hello, is anybody home? Knock, knock. Yeah. How many of y'all, let's be honest? You no, know, raise your hand. How many of y'all have allowed your kids to see you quit right in the heat of battle? You know what you're gonna raise? Quitter. Is is everybody okay? Trying to pastor. Trying to help the church. Trying to encourage you to keep going this year when things get tough. Because it's not about us. Look at the sign. I put it over the back door on purpose. Because that's the last thing you see when you leave this sanctuary. Life is not about you or me. It's all about Him. Can I say that those who endure throughout the battle and continue to fight are doing more teaching and preaching with their life than they could ever do with their lips. Enduring as a good soldier isn't necessarily enjoyable. Somebody say amen. amen. But it is effective. Can I say there's there's hardly nothing that moves me more. Example. Example and we're, we'll, we'll be done. Today we sat... And uh, the Dogwood Valley Baptist Church. Today we sat and I watched Brother Kenneth Dorsey. his Brother John's daddy. And his brother Ken and his other brother Hugh. I watched their families that his two brothers, their wives, their children, all the grandkids. Sat in the house of God. And I watched Brother John, a 40. Seven, six, eight, there. Your old man get up and preach his own mother's funeral. He said before he started, he said, I'm going to be honest with you, I've preached hundreds. This one's the hardest one I've ever done. It was his mama. He talked a lot about her, rightly so. But then he took that Bible and he opened it and he preached and he had, he had God all over him just like he always does. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. So one of these days, son. The rapture don't take place. may not be this building, this church, but a church house. I would prefer y'all do what you want. I would prefer you having a funeral at church. Just so everybody knows, and it's on record, Deacon. Thank you for showing up late, Deacon. Bless you, I love you, buddy. Didn't have to come. You with me? Glory to God, I'm about to get happy on that. Yes, sir. He didn't have to come. Amen. He called me and said, I'm real bad at behind. We got a Lexington, wanting to Lexington tomorrow. I told Megan, get on down to the house of God and I'll punch you in the nose. He didn't say that, but he said, get on down there. He said, I don't know when I'll be there, but I'll be there, preacher. I said, you come on just when you can, Deacon. You know what he's done? He showed up, Put his, he's in line. He's in his line, in the back. He had no effect on service tonight. Hogwash. Yep. The body feels just a little bit more complete than it did before wasn't he wasn't exactly right. here. Does it not? That's it feels same. good. So I, I don't know. I've seen Brother Sean come in and get to see nothing. Yep. But the invitation. Yes, sir. I've seen Brother John do it, seen you do it, seen, seen him have to go leave and be gone and take E wherever he's going at, to work or where it be, and come back and barely miss half stuff, come back and get the spot. He said, I did do nobody no good. You did me good. Yes, sir. You did the Lord good. I watched old brother John stand. You know what he done? It done my heart good. The Lord spoke to him and said, if I don't come back one of these days, I'm going to stand over the caskets of my father and my mother. Mm-hmm. You know what he done today? Showed me what to do. Yeah. That's a battle. That's a big emotional battle. He ain't fighting spiritual battles necessarily over concern of where she may or may not be. We know she's in heaven. But that was a hard thing to do. And he even said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I'm having to be a preacher and a son right now. You know what he showed me how to do? He showed me how to preach my mama's funeral one of these days. He got up and fought the battle. And I'm saying nobody Nobody would have had a harsh word if he had said this one's too hard for me. Brother Jeremiah, I want you to that's the pastor. That was his mother's pastor down the road. His brother Jeremiah, of course, I want you to, I just want you to preach. <laughs> they remember on that. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, but that ain't what God wanted. Right. And he got up and fought out battle. He didn't really probably want to fight. But you know what it does? It taught me. It encouraged me to endure hardness in that area one day. Stand up and preach and say, I don't have a sad I don't have a sad word to say. I know where my mama's at. She's in heaven. He said, Glory to God. the Best part about heaven is me and hers gonna get there on the same day. Some of y'all understand that, and some of y'all don't, but last I checked, hallelujah, there's no night on the other side up I in mean, its one eternal day whether your mama's been dead 10 minutes or 10 years or, or 10 decades, I'm here to tell you something we're all going to heaven on the same blessed day and it done my heart good and to see another soldier in the heat of battle staring back and fight the good fight of faith you know what it was like, it was like Paul not just telling me oh he's told me Griffey that's why he calls me in private. He won't come me that here to church. He said, Ruffy, really? you need to do this, or you need to do that, and you need to watch out. You need to do this. but he don't just preach with this stuff. You know what he's done today? He preached with his life. Amen. You know what you're gonna do, mom and daddy? Listen to me. Don't let the babies distract you. They're fixing to get carried out of here. Listen. You know what it's gonna do to your mom or to your kids, mom and daddy? When they hear you in there at the dinner at the, at the kitchen table and you bounce the checkbook, you ain't got probably no money. But to hear you say these words, well, we won't pay that, but we definitely gonna make sure we get our tithes in. That's right. you know? Yes, sir. I'm taking. Yes, I, I I live this way. Yes, sir. Know what I was taught? Mama. mama. Know what I was taught? I start to be faithful and give to God. Here's why. Here's what I learned as a young boy. In the stories they tell you, I seen God move. When they had disconnect notices, but they would not miss their tithe, and God would pay their bills. God put food in the pantries. I watched it. You wanna know why I have no trouble writing that check every week? I I don't even look to see if I got it. I write it. If it bounces, the bank will call me and let me know. I'll put some air in and we'll bounce it again. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. What I'm trying to tell you is, hey, Mom and Daddy, I'm here tonight. My sister's not in the will of God, but thank God she's in my of God. Amen. Amen. I praise God she ain't left his house yet hope right. Oh, my. Miss Leanne, it ain't perfect. They raised us in church our entire life from the time we were birthed. And even as adults. And I downgrade her and I'm not esteeming me. But, Mom and Daddy, you ain't got two that you just rejoice and everything's fine well. But you've got one and the other one's the closest in the church pew. still. Amen. So there is something to rejoice about. That's right. She couldn't be out there in the left field and saying, I don't even know if I believe all this stuff. Yeah, right right now to, time I know you said quit doing this stuff I can't help it it's holy ghost stuff amen. you gotta take that up with God she's not in the will of God but she's in the house of God amen that's a whole lot better than some mamas and daddies got it tonight right they ain't even seen their children yep. they ain't heard from them don't know where they are right. why is that you reckon <laughs> Because he'd been two soldiers. That's right. <laughs> but mama and daddy was going through hell. Pure living hell. My mother felt as if she was the most worthless human being on the planet. i would here in the back bedroom crying and begging God I to restore her home and save her marriage. And, and God, if you please, Lord, work this out. I, God, I can't forgive him, but I know that with your help I can forgive him because you forgave me. I'm there for the moments when my dad was in a little single white trailer up down the hill from my mom when they were separated. Some of y'all didn't even know that. I did not hear him.